Good to see all of you and good to be here, being able to share the Word of God with you. Continuing today's message, I want to read the same verses I read from Matthew 13. Chapter 13 of Matthew is the parable of the sower. After he said the parable and explained it, in verse 14, he said, And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the heart of these people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. See, the context of that whole parable of the sower, especially in the Gospel of Matthew, is about understanding, spiritual understanding, or opposite of it, spiritual blindness. Listen to what Jesus said, quoting Isaiah, verse 15, lest they should understand with their hearts. That's first. You've got to have spiritual eyes to see and then understand spiritually with their hearts and turn. The reason we turn as believers, because this parable in the Gospel of Matthew is for the believers. Jesus explained, I said all this in detail last Sunday's message, parable of the story in the Gospel of Matthew is the seed is the word of the kingdom. I said, you don't preach the word of the kingdom to the unbelievers. That's in the Luke's Gospel, which the Lord said, lest they believe and be saved. Those four categories of people in Luke's Gospel, they're unbelievers. Here, in this Gospel of Matthew, this parable is for the believers. Here he says, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn. The reason they turn, because they understood, so that I can heal them. Just this part of it shows some of the reasons why people do not receive healing. I'm not just speaking about physical healing. They need to understand spiritually, then turn. Understanding it is what makes you turn. Who are these people? Again, they're believers. I said it many times. I want you to remember that. These are what the New Testament call the saints. They're the righteous in the Bible. They're believers in Christ. They're born-again believers. Now, if you ask 10 people what the word saint means, you're liable to get 10 different answers because the religious world, Christianity, has done something to this world saint. And people think if you're talking about a saint, there must be a halo around their head. That means they're spotless, faultless, they don't make any mistakes. If you're a saint, you have to behave like a saint. That's the idea people have. Even among believers, we think the believers should be spotless without any fault. And in the same way, if you, we talk about unbelievers, the way they look at the believers, they have higher and more expectation that if you're talking about believers in Christ, they must be spotless, without fault, without any uh, sin in their life. That's the conception. Here's what Solomon says in Proverbs 24:16. He says, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Here's a definition of a righteous which is saint, which is believer in Christ. Though they fall seven times or four times or five times or ten times, the result is if they're righteous, they rise again. This verse is exactly the same thing that Jesus said here. Lest they should understand with their heart and turn. The turning happens in the believers because of the understanding. Here, 
It's a different wording. They rise. It is not about how many times we fall. We are humans. We make mistakes. We do this, we do that, and so on and so forth. You see, we're in Christ. And being in Christ through the finished work of our Lord, God has forgiven our sins. You know that as a believer. And that's how God looks at each believer in Christ, as if you never sinned in your entire life. Even he says, I will not remember your sins. That's the conception of God for every single believer in Christ. But as I was saying, we expect more from each other. God forbid if somebody in the church makes a big fall or something, everybody's ready to criticize. Same thing as I said to unbelievers. They have higher expectation of what believers should be. But this is the definition of a believer. We know we're a sinner, saved by grace. We still sin as long as we're in this body. That is the story. But I'm not talking about somebody who constantly, willfully sins against God's word. I'm talking about failing, constantly failing in this, in that, in our spiritual life. So the definition, according to Solomon, if we fall as many times, we rise again because there is a spiritual insight. You understood with your heart, just as Jesus said, they turn so I can heal them or they will rise again has the same meaning. Last Sunday I was speaking about the blind man that Jesus healed in the ninth chapter of Gospel of John. You remember the way Jesus healed that person or opened his eyes, what he did? He spat on the ground, he made a mud and then put the mud on his eyes. That's how he opened his eyes. In every miracle, especially opening eyes or ears, there's always the spiritual side which is so important than the physical side. In this person, Jesus also opened his spiritual eyes. At one point after the healing, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He asked this person and he said, who is he that I should believe in him? Jesus said, it is I who am speaking to you. Then the Bible says he fell down on his feet and worshiped him. Opening spiritual eyes to see this person in front of you being the Christ, that's spiritual sight. There is no other way you can understand it other than from within, accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, why did he make him mud? Because he's the creator. This man was born blind. He did not have eyes from the beginning. Just as we read in the book of Genesis, God fashioned the body of Adam from the dust of the earth, then he breathed into his nostrils, and Adam became a living soul. Here Jesus used the same raw materials, mud, dust with water, and he created his eyes. There's another person in the Bible that Jesus opened his eyes. His story we read in Mark 8. Mark 8, 22, I will read it for you. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. Verse 24, and he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everything clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go to the town nor tell anybody in the town. So he almost did the same thing with this man, but this time he didn't use any mud, but he just spat on his eyes and he touched him. 
He asked him, do you see anything? The guy says, I see men walking like trees. And then the second time he touched him and his eyes were restored. You may read this and say, well, it didn't work the first time, so he tried it again. It's the saying like, you know, you tried something once and twice, people say, third time is the charm. Is this one of those occasions? Would you think that way, that the first time it didn't work, second time it worked? If I say that, would that be a right statement? No, absolutely not. Because everything Jesus did, everything that is recorded is exactly what happened and that's how it should have been. The first time he touched his eyes, he opened his spiritual eyes. Second time, he healed his blind eyes, physical eyes. And I will explain this in detail as the verses that I will read later on. So the spiritual understanding or spiritual sight has higher importance for the Lord, for his people to see than the physical eyes. Now I'm going to read several scriptures from the Bible. You will see from these scriptures the importance of trees. See, the man says, I see people like trees walking. Have you seen a tree walking? He saw it, but I want to show you from the Bible the meaning of the trees. When I was searching about the trees, I came across many articles that speaks about the trees in the Bible. Most of it I was not interested in because the subject is not that how many trees or different kinds of trees and so on and so forth. But what I read in these articles was there are more mention of trees in the Bible than any other species other than human being in the Bible. I'm going to read these verses for you to see the significance of trees in the Bible. I'm going to begin with Psalm 92. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree, and he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Being planted in the house of the Lord. Where is the house of the Lord? In Christ. It is the body of Christ, which is the house of the Lord. And the planting of each individual in the house of the Lord is from God. Nobody else can do that for you. If you are that, he says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like the cedar of Lebanon. Psalm 96. Let the field be joyful and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the woods will rejoice. Do you think he's talking about trees in the field? He's speaking about men, spiritual God's people. Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river. And he will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. I love these verses as I read, as it delineates trees as men, especially in its core spiritual sight in them. Isaiah 55, for you shall go, this is verse 12, for you shall go out with joy and be led with peace. The mountains and the hills, they break forth into the singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. 13, instead of thorns, shall come up to cypress tree, and instead of briars shall come up like a myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Trees as people. Next verse is Zechariah 4. In this chapter, Zechariah saw a vision 
Whenever somebody sees a vision, the Lord's people, it's through the Holy Spirit. He enables you to see in the spiritual realm. And in this vision, Zachariah saw many things, including at one point, he saw two olive trees. And he asked the angel who was explaining all things, what are these olive trees? Here's verse 11. Then I answered and said to him, what are these two olive trees at the right hand of the lampstand and at the left? And I further answered and said to him, what are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which the golden oil drains? Then he answered me and said, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. So he said, these are two anointed ones who stand before the Lord of the whole earth. When Zechariah asked, what are these two olive trees? The angel said, don't you know what these things are? You know, there's an expectation from the Lord for us to understand. Even in the parables, when Jesus spoke a parable, when they did not understand, Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, how else are you going to understand all the rest? And I thank God that he himself interpreted the parable of the sower in the Bible. Otherwise, I wouldn't know what he was talking about. You see, the important side of it, that he opens it up, whether in the Bible you can clearly see, the importance of him explaining is that he gave us a clue how to interpret the rest of the parables, which is very important in understanding of the parables. The angel says, what do you see? I see two olive trees. Who are they? They're two anointed people of God. Now, who these people are, these two, that's not the context of today's message. The point is, in spiritual realm, he saw two olive trees instead of two anointed or two people. So you can clearly come to understand that the trees in the Bible points to men with spiritual sight. Once you begin to notice, one of the first verses that I remember personally was Ephesians when Apostle Paul prayed. He prayed twice, one in the chapter first and the third chapter. Here is the third chapter, Ephesians 3. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, that he would grant you according the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded. What I remembered from this is the wording Apostle Paul uses. You being rooted and grounded. This is language for the trees we use. Planting, roots, and all that. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, and depth, and height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What I'm saying is simply this, that you will recognize the language that Bible uses in relationship, let's say, planting a tree or this type of things. As I said earlier, there's many trees in the Bible. In fact, the Bible begins with the tree of life and ends with the tree of life. Also in the garden, we have the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Past that point, I wrote down some of the trees. Here's acacia tree, almond tree, cedars of Lebanon. We read that a lot. The olive tree, oak tree, fig tree, pomegranate, grapevine, oaks of righteousness. Oaks points to righteousness. Sycamore tree, 
These are just some of them I just wrote down. And they all have certain meaning. Again, for example, almond points to the resurrection. Oaks, as I said, points to righteousness. Isaiah 61. This is the place in Isaiah when Jesus came from being tempted in the desert for 40 days. He came to Nazareth. The score of Isaiah was given to him. The Bible says he looked for it and find the spot that he wanted to read, and he read this. This is from Isaiah. He says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Halfway through that sentence, which we see a comma, Jesus stopped and closed the book, gave it to the attendant. He said, today, in your hearing, this scripture is fulfilled. Halfway through the sentence, the next part of the sentence, it says, and the day of vengeance of God. That will happen in his second coming. So the reader in the Old Testament could never understand that there's a two comings of, of our Lord Jesus in this one paragraph or in three verses. To proclaim acceptable year of the Lord, this is where he stopped, continues, and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn, to counsel those who mourn in Zion, to give beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified." that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. And one of the most important trees mentioned in the Bible is the cross of our Lord Jesus. Peter, in the book of Acts, he talks about the cross as tree. Here's Galatians. We've been studying Galatians, Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Boy, I love when the New Testament interprets the Old Testament. Here's another one. Apostle Paul, picking up this verse in the Old Testament that says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. This is when they literally hang somebody from a tree. They call them cursed. Also, the Lord says, bring the body down after they die. Bring the body down before sunset. Apostle Paul says, Jesus became a curse for us from this verse. If there was a curse in your life, besides the fall of humanity, being in Christ, there is no curse because he became our curse. This should be embedded within your heart where you stand in Christ. There is no curse in Christ. You see, it is not what I say or what you say, but what God says in Christ, what is in Christ or is not. That is one of the most important trees in the Bible, our Lord's cross. Now, what is it about trees that is so important? Significance of trees is this, that when they are planted, they grow their roots instinctively towards water, especially, of course, if they're planted next to the water, they go towards the water. So instinctively, they draw nutrition and water from the ground. That's by nature. That's the kind of life they have, and by instinct, they do that. It's a living organism. That's what trees are. If they're fruit trees, the end result is that they will produce fruit. Just think of this. The only thing that they 
naturally receive is water and the nutrition. The rest you think of everything about trees is about giving. Just think of the wood. This whole church is, all the pews are made of wood. Our houses are made of wood. Every furniture we have, the table, chair, everything, and whatever else we can think of that are made of wood comes from the This is the giving part of the tree. Think of the leaves. I remember all the leaves of trees, they turn and situate themselves individually so that every single leaf will get a sunlight. That's instinctively, that's his nature, receiving the light. And of course, the fruit that it produces and all the shade that provides. I'm talking about all the animals. They find refuge under the shadow of a tree from the heat of the sun and all that. This is the whole world. And even if we go out camping, we always want to be next to a tree and under the shade and whatnot. Everything about the trees are giving. That's the concept that the Lord has for his own people. See, he's the one that planted you in Christ. All of us have the same foundation as Pastor Paul says. We are planted by God in Christ. Just think of it as a tree. When you're planted instinctively as your spiritual nature is to draw from the Lord all the energy you need, all the just as our body that demands food to go on is the same with spiritual life. To draw from the Lord, but the rest of our life is about giving. To become like him in giving. I'm not talking about tithes and offering, but in giving in general. Let's say if people meet us, do they see Christ in us? You know, can the Lord meet the needs of others through you? Just showed you the picture of trees and what they do in nature and how we make use of them. In the same way, that's the concept that the Lord has in this way. For every individually that is saved in him which is planted by God himself, rooted in Christ, and that's how it should be for every believer. Listen to Psalm 1 is the next verse that I want to read. I mean, there is no accident that this psalm is number one psalm in the book of Psalms. I mean, there's so many of them in the Bible, but what I'm saying is this is not an accident. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seats of scornful, but his delight is the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaves also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper." I mean, he put this psalm right in the beginning to give you what is coming for all the rest of the psalm. I mean, that's how important this psalm is in this connection. There's so many things, positive things about trees we can say, but there's also the negative. Matthew 7, 17. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruit, you will know them. So the purpose of the tree, of course, the good tree is to give good fruit. If it doesn't, it's good for only cutting down and thrown into the fire. There's so much positive about trees. Here's the negative one, but it's there. 
It's a warning for all the believers. So, in closing, I've been speaking about spiritual understanding and spiritual blindness the last Sunday and today. Where are we in this subject as far as have spiritual insight or understanding or being spiritually blind? You know, there are some points that I want to share with you that can raise a flag to see where we are in all of these things. Of course, I'm speaking to a corporate body right now. I'm not speaking about individuals. Everything I will say from now on, I'm talking about the corporate body of Christ, not the individuals. Believers, we come together at least three times a week, sometimes more, maybe sometimes less. If you put all the hours that we spend together, maybe it's up to, I don't know, six, seven hours in the whole week. When we come together, you know, we teach, we worship, we spend time together, we have a fellowship and all that. This is what Christians do, it's a biblical thing to do and all that. But my point is we are surrounded with believers as we are every time. The thing is, what do we do the rest of the week? I'm saying we spend the most eight hours, let's say, a week together. What do we do the rest of it? We work, we do this, we do that. What dominates our thoughts? What dominates our conversations outside the church environment? You see, we're talking about the believers in Christ have a spiritual instinct to be where they are and to function in the same way. What we talk about or where we spend time, energy, our money, that's where all matters. If it exceeds and takes the place of the word of the kingdom that I explained last Sunday, that should raise a flag. In other words, what dominates our conversation in school with somebody? What dominates our conversation with anybody outside church environment? That should raise a flag whether we are this way or that way. Another thing I'm thinking is our prayer life. In this church, we teach on different levels. Sometimes we teach evangelical when the need is there. And then we teach on different levels, be it Wednesdays, Bible study, or any time we preach and teach. No matter on what level we teach, if you say, let's spend some time in prayer, almost all the time, without any exception, when we begin to pray, again, I'm talking about corporately, we always pray for our needs and the needs of others. I have nothing against praying, I always pray, not only our needs, but the needs of others that we know that are in many different needs, healing, whatever the need is. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's biblical. It's the right thing to do. Apostles encourage us to pray all the time for all the occasions for the saints. But that's what dominates our prayer life. And then, once in a while, let's say we have a testimony night. Somebody says, I have a testimony what we say in our testimonies or our understanding of the testimonies is nothing other than a good report. That's the way Bible says it. But we say, I have a testimony, and we go on and say how God has been faithful answering this prayer and, and that prayer, which is, again, I'm all for all that. I'm part of you. I'm speaking to the corporate church today, not individuals. There are individuals, you know, they have all this in view. What we call testimony is nothing but a good report about the Lord, how faithful he is. When the Bible speaks of testimony, it always speaks of testimony of Christ. That is totally different thing than what we think testimony is. You see, 
The Ark of the Covenant, it was right in the center of the whole tabernacle, made of acacia wood overlaid with gold. That whole Ark represented God's thought about His Son, our Lord Jesus, and the work He did, which is delineated by the mercy seat. Mercy seat was the solid gold cover on the Ark of the Covenant with two angels coming on both sides with their wings spreading out, which points that's how God jealously guards the testimony of Christ, that which is so precious for him. That is the testimony of Christ that speaks of his glory, speaks of God's thought for his son and all that he did that is the testimony of Christ. Listen to what Apostle John says. This is the opening of the book of Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servant things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. So, He's witnessing to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus. Verse 9 on the same first chapter, he says, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation of kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. That is the testimony of Jesus Christ that John is speaking about. He's not talking about God answered this prayer or that prayer, but he's witnessing, first of all, for the word and testimony of Jesus Christ. In other words, all the testimony in the Bible is the testimony of Christ. Now, next time, you know, if you want to give a good report, call it whatever you like. Call it the testimony or call it a good report. All I wanted by sharing this for you to realize what the Bible says about testimony. What the Lord wants us to do brings us to the level of Matthew 6 when Jesus said, Seek his kingdom and his righteousness, all else will be added unto you freely. But our prayer life, corporate prayer life, I'm not talking about individuals. I know individuals, you pray according to the will of God in your prayer time. Corporately, when we come together, without an exception, most of the time, 99.9% .9 of the time, we pray for the needs of each other and the needs of others. The Lord said, this is how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. That should dominate a spiritual person. Jesus said, seek his kingdom and his righteousness. All else will be added unto you free. What is all else? He said it. Some people constantly saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Is that all? Anything else you can think of that are the needs of humanity? What about our children? What about healing? What about this? What about that? Jesus said, all else will be added unto you freely. Here we are. Instead of seeking the kingdom, Having his will to be done in mind, we're coming the other end. We're coming with our needs approaching the Lord. This is without an exception. I'm saying every time we come together, that's what dominates our prayer life. That should raise a flag for us. So, in conclusion, where do we stand in, within the parable of the sower? 
Well, I wouldn't say we are the first category. First category, the seed stayed on the surface. That's what made it easy for the enemy to snatch it. I would say we are in the category of the seed that fell on the rocks. That's the category of people. When the persecution begins, they fall away. In Matthew Gospel, the word is the word of the kingdom. When the persecution comes against the word of the kingdom, they fall away. Sun comes up, it's too hot, they fall away. There's no persecution in this country to whatever we believe. But here's Apostle Paul, what he says to Timothy. He says, if you decide to live godly, you will be persecuted, whether you live in this country or anywhere else. The thing is, there are different kinds of persecutions. If you decide to live godly life, you will be persecuted wherever you live. The other category of people, the seed fell on the thorns. Jesus said, the cares of this world the riches and wanting other things came in and choked the word of the kingdom. That part I'm adding it because the seed is the word of kingdom. Are we among there? I don't know. That's why I said earlier, what dominates our conversation when we are away from the church? What is it in this life that takes away all our energy, money, and everything else? All depends where you see yourself. I will never look at some believer and say, where you are in this category, but collectively, as a corporate, we show who we are in our spirituality by our prayers in this way. Praise the Lord for His faithfulness in every direction of our life, but as His own, as a collective body of Christ, we need to be balanced in what we pray. We cannot afford. See, that shows how desperate we are in our needs. Our needs, I'm saying, our needs, not just ours, but even for those that we pray for any occasion. I will close today's meeting with a prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you that as long as we have breath in our body, we know that you are speaking to us constantly all the time, and we praise you and we worship you and we say we love you just for that, Lord. Just that alone is enough for us to love you and worship you, Lord that you continuously are speaking to us, and I thank you for all that. I pray for every individual in this place, in our church, that we should collectively become that which prays according to your will and for eternal purpose, Lord. Not just come to you for our needs constantly every time we come together in prayer. Father, I pray that you will continue your work of opening our eyes and opening our ears to see See you more, Lord, like we've never seen before. Do your work, Lord, which I know it is your pleasure to do so, Lord. Hallelujah. We bless you as your own. As your own, we say we love you, Lord, because all that you have done from the beginning, right from the beginning all the way to the end. And we trust you, Lord, because your word says, he who called you is faithful to take you all the way to the end. That's what we hope. That is our hope. Though there's so many warnings in the Bible, that's our hope and that's how we believe and therefore we speak. Thank you, Lord, again for your people in this place. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you.